0: to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Tasmania in Hobart. And uh today we have Peter Watts in the studio. He's uh, been uh speaking on a topic called Searching for Certainty and we'll be continuing that discussion today. So welcome Peter. Thank you Jason, it's good to be
1: here. Good morning listeners.
0: Yeah, awesome. So uh today we'll be uh continuing our topic with um the question Who Do You Trust? We'll we'll come back to that. But uh, before we get into that, a couple of things. Now, we've been talking about the Live More Project, which uh, is a health and wellbeing um, series of programs that uh, run for one hour per week, and it's really about improving our physical and mental health um, through different strategies and learning techniques and tips and uh, seeing the world in a more positive perspective by... uh, Dr. Darren uh, Norton, is it Morton. right? Morton. 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 That's the one. Um, so we've kicked that program off at Glenorchy, I think, uh, Tuesday. You, yeah, Tuesday night. You attended I was there.
1: Yeah, it was excellent. So, um, yeah, the first program was on Tuesday. There's uh, another event occurring at Rosny on the 5th of June at 4pm. That's a Saturday afternoon. And uh, so if people still are interested in uh, registering for the uh, Rosny Live More Programme, they can do so at is it Elia Wellness? I think is the
0: yes. But if if you text us in on our show number zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, if you text the word live more, it gives you the exact web address. Terrific! It will send you a message back and give you the exact web address where you can go and find the dates and find the registration. Give that number
1: yeah. again, Jason.
0: Zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Put that in your phone, store it, write it down, put it on your fridge wherever you want to put it. <laughs> um, Memorize it. Memorise it. I'll tell you what, I've memorised it because I say it every day several times, so it's in my head now. Um, so, and we've got programs running in Devonport, uh, Launceston, Waratah, Margate, Wynyard, uh, Rosny, as we've just mentioned, and Collinsvale as well. And all of those programs are still available to register if you are interested. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Peter, just... Um, we've got to know you a little bit. We knew that uh, you were born and grew up in the UK. Yeah, and uh, we know from last week that um, you had a bit of a passion for football, but we call it soccer. Yeah, uh, as and, many uh, English people do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, tell us something else interesting about yourself.
1: Hmm. Well, I suppose, um, as I mentioned before, when I was growing up in the UK, I didn't have a belief in God. In fact, uh, I would have called myself an atheist from my you know, mid-teens mid to mid-twenties. Um, but I uh, used to watch a lot of sci-fi. I sort of grew up on sci-fi. So things like Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who... All of that kind of stuff I was very uh you know interested in, and it was fascinating to me when I did come to the Bible um, to read some of the stories in the Bible and you know I think part and parcel of our program as, as we roll out this particular subject of searching for certainty we 'll talk about some things in the Bible that maybe people didn 't know were in the bible um, and uh, certainly that was the case for me because I knew next to nothing about the book and um yeah, to discover a lot of the things that are in the Bible, and so some of the concepts that you see in in sci-fi or whatever are, are borrowed from the Bible, and um, it, that was interesting to me. You know, as I was reading through, I'd say, "Oh, I recognise this. I've seen this before." Mm. And um, yeah, a lot of the um, you know some incredible ideas that you find in sci-fi uh, are you know original stories from thousands of years ago.
0: So are you what they would call a Trekkie? Star, I Trek, don't a think, Star well, Trek fan. Yeah, you because
1: know, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> or different types. I remember of, watching Star Trek with my dad and my yeah. brother growing up when we were kids. And, uh, so dad would watch that and we would watch it with him. And then I think, um, you know, I remember going in 1977 to watch the original Star Wars. I think I was 11 years of age. Yes. Um, and I went with a friend and that was, uh, an interesting experience. And, and, you know, I had, it was very into Star Wars, every, you know, since that time. And then Doctor Who was just something that, British ah, kids watch
0: Doctor Who, yeah. You okay. know, and I could never get idea. into Doctor Who. I, I watched a few programs. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, there is, uh, there's some really, really silly ideas, and then there's some interesting ideas. But hmm. um, yeah, what, what's you know, once I um, started reading the Bible, I saw things there. I thought, oh, okay, they, they you know, they've borrowed some ideas from here.
0: Yeah, interesting. Well, um, today's uh, episode is Who Do You Trust? Um, mm-hmm. We'll start with just a recap of our um, past events our past episodes. Mm. And uh, just a reminder, you can catch up on those past events by using the Faith FM website or the Faith FM app, which you can get from the Google App Store or the Apple uh, App Store. So, um, yeah, let's have a quick recap of our previous episodes.
1: Okay, so um, in the series, Searching for Certainty, the first uh, topic really we covered was, does God exist? Mm. If we're searching for certainty, you know, it would help us to know, you know, does God exist or not? And how does that affect our lives? And we looked at three areas in our three previous episodes. We looked at evidence from the area of design uh, that implies a designer. Um, that the world is uh, and the universe that we observe is is intricately um, fine tuned and, and designed, so we looked at evidence from design, we looked at evidence from morality uh, is there such a thing as right and wrong? and we looked at um, the area of meaning w- what do our lives mean, and how does a belief in God um, influence that yeah. um, and so uh, our worldview yeah, is very um, influenced by whether we believe in God or not. So so we looked at some evidence in regards to does God exist? And then, of course, today where we're talking about who do you trust, the question is really, well, if God exists, which God? You know, because there have been many uh, depictions of God, many beliefs of different kinds of God or God's in the history of the world, mm. um, I've been to uh, Egypt and, uh, you know, they had many, many yods in Egypt depicted in their uh, various idols.
0: I've been to uh, India. They mm. have hundreds or thousands of Absolutely. gods over there. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's right. So who do you trust? And so we want to sort of uh, narrow that down. And uh, we have sort of hinted at already in our previous programs that we're talking about, uh, I My belief is in the God of the Bible, and I believe that um, because I think there are reasons for that. But when we talk about the question of trust, who do you trust? We live in a very interesting time of Earth's history because uh, in the Western world, um, the Oxford English Dictionary—they—they they have a word of the year each year, mm-hmm. and their word of the year in 2016 was "post-truth."
0: Post-truth.
1: Now, I don't know if that's two that's words. So, yeah, or, I was going to say that sounds more be two like two words, words but yeah. it's got a hyphen in in, in there. Mm. Um, post-truth, and the idea that we live in a post-truth environment—in other words, what uh, what you believe is truth and what I believe is truth may not be the same thing, and therefore, there's no common acknowledgement of what is truth well, there's no there?
0: absolute truth no absolute truth and and it's it's almost as if people can make their own truth if if right. you tell the story enough mm-hmm. it becomes truth
1: Right. You know. So, so we live in a post-truth environment from 2016 onwards, at least. And then the, the following year, the Collins dictionary had their word of the year in 2017, which was fake news. Yeah. And again, that's two
0: words. I'm sure, uh, President Trump, uh, in the US had something to do with I'm that. I'm sure he <laughs> did. But
1: the reality is that, 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 has become a very common phrase. And, mm. um, so the question is, you know, who do you trust? Now, a lot of people today obviously get, um, there a lot of, you know, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. There is more information available to me on my phone than I can read. There's more information available to me in a day than I can read in a lifetime. Mm. Right? So we we are saturated with information, but um, how much of it do we trust? And how much of it is helpful? And how, um,
0: how do you discern good information correct. from poor information? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, obviously a lot of our information today comes from social media as well. Mm. And there could be uh, very well-intentioned, very sincere people posting various messages on social media. But how do we test their veracity? How do we determine who to trust? Mm. Uh, because, again, some people might be, and we we know there are a lot of scams Out there where people are deliberately trying to deceive you and trying to manipulate you. But then there are other times, as I say, where people might be genuinely, sincerely trying to uh, advance a particular uh, idea. Uh, but how do we know if that idea is right or not? Mm. You know, uh, just because somebody is passionate about it, they're sincere, they're, they seem kind or whatever it may be, uh, doesn't mean to say that, that it's necessarily right. And we, we talked in one of our previous shows about morality and what is right and what is wrong and how we determine that. Um, and this this uh, who do we trust, you know, do we trust um the our friends on facebook is that the where we get our counsel um do
0: we do we trust the newspaper do, well
1: yeah well the news <laughs> not,
0: not many people read a newspaper many, these many, days not <laughs> many
1: people read a newspaper news websites is where i get most yeah. of my news but again you know how trustworthy are the sources and everything else? Exactly. And yeah. and when it comes to, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, probably uh, matters a little less in terms of this news article or that news article. But when it comes to making decisions about my own life, um, the big decisions in life, where will we uh, turn to? Mm. Um, you know, some of the uh, former, I guess, um, people that we might trust, like politicians, I remember a couple of news stories where uh, the ABC was asking when when Turnbull and um, Bill Shorten were going up against each other in 2016 in the election. It says um, it's not so much about um, who you trust, but who do you tr- dis- distrust the least? Mm. You know, and, and they both ousted previous uh, leaders in their own parties. Mm. So how could people trust them? And so uh, we want to ask that question: Who do we trust?
0: Mm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to go to a break. Um, just remember our our show number, Tassie Encounters. This is unique for Tassie Encounters. So, if you're listening to other programs on Faith FM, they will have different numbers for their programs. But this number is for Tassie Encounters. If you want to contact us, if you want to ask us a question, or if you want to take advantage of some of the offers or get information that uh, we offer a code or something, then zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one is our number. Now this song uh, is by the Idea of North, and I think it's going to shed a little bit of light on the topic for today.
2: Do God shines light on me Open up my eyes So I can see When I look up In the darkest night Then I know everything's Gonna be alright In deep confusion In great despair When I reach out for him he is there When I am lonely As I can be Then I know that God shines His light on me La 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 sick, and he heals the lame, says you can do it too, in Jesus' name, yes he'll lift you up and turn you around, and he puts put your feet back on higher ground, reach out for him, he'll be there. Oh, 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 you can use His higher oh, power any, any day, day at any hour. Heals the sick, yeah, he heals the lame.
3: lame
2: says you can Do-do-Dim. do it too in Jesus' name. Do-do-do-Dim. Yes, He'll lift you oh, up and turn you around. Put your feet back back on on higher ground. ground
3: Put your feet back on higher ground. Put your feet back mm, on higher ground.
0: Whenever God shines his light, is that the name of that song by the Idea of North? And it's talking about putting our feet back on higher ground. Well, I guess uh, sometimes we go searching for ways to do that. And, uh There's all sorts of different um, sets or sources of information that we can go searching for. And today we're talking about who do you trust and and how we can trust. So where do we go looking for certainty? Mm.
1: Well, it's interesting in in Western culture of which, you know, we here in Australia are part. um, If you think about uh, our leaders, our immediate leaders of government. So here in Tasmania, Peter Gutwin has recently been uh, re-elected. As Premier of our state. Um, and then you've got Scott Morrison, who's the Prime Minister of Australia. And then um, above him, you've got the Governor-General, David Hurley. And then above David of Hurley, you've got the Queen that we find on all of the coins that we use in Australia, right? Yep. So though you think of those four levels of, of governance and other leaders in the Western world, like the President of the United States or the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Boris Johnson. Um, all of those leaders have something in common. Now, of course, they're all leaders. They're all um, involved in politics in some way, but they have something else in common, and that is that they were all sworn in by placing their hand on a book mm. called the Holy Bible. Yep. And so um, now, you know, why is that? Why not the phone book? Why not the dictionary? That's a big book. Yeah. Um, no, they, they were sworn in by placing their hand on the Bible because in Western culture in the last thousand years, the Bible has is regarded as the being the most authoritative book it, it was regarded as the word of god um that's you know and people will say well that's that's just tradition and and maybe that's true uh in in some quarters but wh- why did it get to that place why was the bible regarded with such high authority yeah um
0: and I guess I guess this is, you know, where we're searching for truth, we, you know, we Correct. want answers then I guess. Who do that, you trust? Who do you trust? You and know, I guess that's where the, the Bible in that case, right. you know, in a court of law, we're looking, you know, what's the truth here? And, for and sure. And people are sworn to tell the truth.
1: For sure. And so um, when, uh, as I said before, uh, in our previous episodes, we were talking about does God exist? We gave some evidences for the existence of God. Now we're talking about which God and, and we're, I'm going to advocate for the God of the Bible. And I believe that that there are um, certain lines of evidence. That we can look at to give us confidence in whether the Bible can be trusted or not. Mm. Um, one of those. Uh, so, if we look at the Bible, for instance, the Bible was the first book to be printed on a printing press. Um, the Gutenberg Bible of around 1450 um, in Germany. Um, it was the first uh, book. It's the bestseller every year. It's the best-selling book of all time. I think there's some five billion copies of the Bible put into circulation thus far. Um, it was interesting at the end of the millennium, you know, you came to the year 2000 and they were saying, uh, what's the most significant event of the last thousand years? and they said it was the printing of the Gutenberg Bible. Wow. Um, so uh, I, they have a copy in the John Rylands Library in Manchester, UK. I went and visited there and uh, saw that, and I said, um, how, how much is it? They said it's insured for £66 million. Uh, thankfully, you can get it on your, your phone for free, yeah. uh, so so you you don't have to pay the £66 million, but that book, it's you know, it was valued at that much.
0: And I guess the printing of the book changed mm. our society a little bit, didn't it? because once upon a time Absolutely. you just had to go to the yeah. uh, go to the cathedrals and listen to somebody else read in Latin, was it, or what some other you, language? Yeah, or?
1: I went to the British Library a little while back and I got to – there's some amazing books. If you ever go to London, go to the British Library. Uh, I've been British Museum as well and that's, that's pretty good. But the British Library has a number of books there that are rare, and one of the books they have is the handwritten copy of John Wycliffe's Bible yeah. from the 14th century. Mm-hmm. And because of, you know, if you wanted a Bible in those days, you wrote one out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was and no you translated photocopying. You yourself, well, yeah, from the original that's right. scripts That's right, yeah. and and so you know, um, again, the printing press revolutionised society in the mm. sense that it became available, more available. Yeah. Um, and there are common phrases that we use from the Bible. So it, I didn't know this when I was not a Bible reader. But there are. I would quote the Bible all the time Mm. and not realise it because it's become part of our common vernacular. Mm. So, for instance, the the ideas of money is the root of all evil, or weak as water, go the extra mile, doubting Thomas, turn the other cheek, two edged sword, a man after my own heart, a drop in the bucket, the powers that be, in the twinkling of an eye, a stone's throw, do unto others, nothing new under the sun, and the writings on the wall. These are phrases you'll hear all the time. All
0: coming somewhere from all the time you'll
1: listen, you'll hear. Them on um, news, you know, radio yeah. news bulletins and TV news bulletins, and mm. on websites. Uh, people in in journalism use these phrases all the time. Mm. Um, now, the thing about the Bible is this: of the all the books written in the history of the, of the world, there are very few. There's a, only a handful of books that claim to be inspired by God, mm. right? So, you know, you go to the library, you pick up a book, and it says, you know, by David Smith or whoever and it might be a book about anything, mm. but they don't claim that it's inspired by God. Mm. The Bible is a book that claims to be inspired by God within its pages. Many, many times you'll read in the Bible, thus saith the Lord, not thus saith the prophet Isaiah, or thus saith Daniel, or you know what I mean? It's 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 actually they're claiming this message came from God. Um, and in fact, what was interesting is that, uh, you know, being a prophet in the Bible wasn't a... Um, wasn't a job that lots of people were lining up to do but it wasn't a popular job because many of the messages were not popular in their day and therefore the the messengers were often rejected and sometimes killed mm. for delivering those messages so they didn't stand to gain a lot by sharing those messages which they claimed came from god mm. and so um you know for one of those one of the passages in scripture it says uh, 2 Timothy 3:15 to 17 all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's God-breathed. In other words, they're claiming this stuff came from God and I wrote it down. Um, so that's important. So uh, Now, that's a claim. It doesn't mean it's true, right? So mm. a book can claim that it's divinely inspired. Mm. But what are the evidences? I want to run through... Uh, in this program, we'll see how much time we've got today, but we're going to run through six evidences, I believe, that the Bible is reliable. Number one is going to be internal consistency. We're going to talk about that. Number two will be um, manuscript evidence. How do we know that what we have is what they wrote? This is a long time ago, 2,000 yeah. years ago. Um then we've got historical evidence, other historical sources that corroborate the biblical material. You've got archaeological evidence, then you've got prophetic evidence, there are prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled. And then finally, the evidence of personal testimony, the evidence from people whose lives have been changed by reading the Bible. Mm. Uh and I'm certainly one of those. And so uh, and there are millions and millions of people who can testify that their lives have been changed by The reading of the Bible. And if you think about it, that's kind of interesting because the Bible is such an old book. How many other books do you have on your shelf that are 2000 years old that you still read? Mm. Uh, you know, and you know, you think about the the broad appeal and, and of the of Bible. Some,
0: some of that is actually older than that. Like, well, of course. We've got the, the new part yeah. of the Bible, the New Testament, which is younger, but. Yeah, so 2,000
1: years ago it was completed, just yeah. about, and then 3,500 years ago was when writings, it was first, yeah, first exactly. started by Moses. So yeah. um, the Bible is read by young people and old people. You can find young people and old people who read the Bible mm. in pretty much every country of the world. It's been read by people from vastly different areas. You will find people in Manhattan who read the Bible and you'll find people in uh rural Africa that read the Bible, you know. Um it's it's so to be to have that appeal over all of time and over all of geography and of all over all of culture is kind of very special indeed. Why would this book still be relevant? Mm. You know, so it's quite a quite interesting. If you think about um the Bible uh, from internal consistency. What do we mean by that? Well, I guess
0: we, it means that within the pages of, of the Bible itself, it needs to make sense from yes. from beginning to end. And I guess we're talking about a Bible, a book that's been written over thousands of years. Yes. So therefore it would be more challenging to get internal consistency. Yeah.
1: So internal consistency, the Bible is written by people. As we said, you mm. know, they, they were inspired by God, but they wrote it down. People mm. wrote it down. And, it's it's um, it's actually, uh, the Bible is a collection of books. It's like mm. a library. There are 66 books. They're written by 40-plus authors from many different backgrounds. You know, you have kings, you have shepherds, you have lawyers, you have tax collectors, you have fishermen, uh, you know, widely different backgrounds. Uh, and it's written over a period of 1,500 years, as we said, on three different continents, Europe, Africa, and Asia. Uh, in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, Aramaic and Greek. And yet it has one unified message about the identity of God, about creation, about mankind, about salvation, justice, heaven, death, and a whole host of other topics. And you can read things in Genesis, and then you can read things in Revelation written 1,500 years later, and they're referencing the same thing. Mm. Uh, Now, this is remarkable indeed, because some of these people, many of these people, didn't meet each other. They never lived in the same place. Or even the same culture, we kind of think biblical culture is just one thing, but you're talking about 1500 years in different places. And so,
0: and I guess people would think typically that, um, you know, as as science and uh, new information has come to light, then then of course we can discard the old stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm saying generally in society, as new information comes to light, we we put aside right. the old stuff. Now but, that's a good But there's point. something special about this book because. It's it's still there, still relevant, and to it's our still lives. relevant. It's
1: talking about the human and, and experience, and I know many
0: people are trying to put it aside for sure. But there's still something powerful
1: within this yeah. book. Well, like I said, uh, you know, before my mid twenties, I never even picked up a Bible. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't uh, give it the time of day. Mm. Uh, and I discovered in the Bible. Uh, so many things that uh, pertain to my life uh, that I wasn't aware that were in there. In terms of, uh, you, you know, you're talking about stuff that becomes obsolete. I think in the Louvre Museum in Paris, I think there are five kilometers of bookshelves worth of science books that are obsolete.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Because, because the information next year's is no edition, longer, correct. Yeah. Next year edition contains you New know information. updates information. Whereas the Bible is a book that. Is still the same over all this period, and yet it still has relevance. That in itself is remarkable. Mm. Even if you didn't believe it was divinely inspired, the fact that it uh, still talks to us today is a remarkable thing. Mm. So internal consistency is one of the evidences. Now, let me compare it that uh, a little bit, and um, we'll go to a break in a moment. You take another book um, that is regarded by a major religion, like the Quran, for yeah. instance. Um, the Quran, you might say, well, the Quran might have internal consistency, but that would be less surprising because the Quran was the product of one individual, Muhammad, recited and it was written down, um, and so uh, you know it's very interesting to to see the internal consistency of the Bible over such a long period.
0: And these sixty-six books that you mentioned, do you know how many authors, or approximately 40, how many authors? Forty plus authors. Forty odd authors, uh, all effectively telling the same story in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's take a break now. Uh, this is a, an old old song from, I guess, the uh, '60s. I guess, um, but it's got a it's got an important message. It's called "I Believe," and uh, this version is by B.J. Thomas.
4: drop of rain that falls, a flower grows I believe that somewhere in the darkest night A candle glows I believe for everyone who goes astray Someone will come to show the way The smallest prayer will still be heard. I believe that someone in the great somewhere hears every word. Every time I hear a new.
0: believe by bj thomas and you're listening to tassie encounters on faith fm and uh, we've been talking with peter watts about who do you trust now, before we go on with our program, I just want to share a little bit about the offer that we've got for today. It's a book called Hope for a Helpless Planet. And uh, I'll give you the number again that you can text in uh, later. I'll give you the code. It's 488 880891 Now, Hope for a Helpless Planet, you know, there are many people, I guess, uh, today, Peter, I'm going to engage you in this little discussion. mm mm-hmm. um, Hope for a helpless planet. You know, people are are perhaps fearful of the future. Sure. Perhaps um, there's the, all this topic, top a bit top talk about the doom and gloom sure, of climate change and, and the pandemic yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, particularly this. Uh, you know, we've got 12 years to fix the climate, or otherwise we're doomed. You know, it's all pretty negative stuff, and it's not. It's not. Uh, Uh, it's not something we want to uh, think about in a way it's not hopeful and so a friend
1: friend of mine once said he said you can live weeks without food days without water minutes without air but no time at all without hope
0: yeah absolutely and
1: and i really believe that uh, that's true and um you know we there is not a lot of hope if you look outside uh in terms of You know what's coming at us in the news. The news is almost always negative. Yeah. Uh, Somebody got murdered. Somebody got mugged. That you know, whatever it may be. And um, you know, you're looking for well, (laughs) what what keeps you going? And um, obviously, we're talking here the search for certainty. I believe the God of Heaven and the God of the Bible has a message for us that keeps us going.
0: And this book really talks about that message. It's hope for a helpless planet. It talks about. You know, the future It talks about what the Bible actually talks about. Mm. You know, what is our plan for the future? So I'll encourage you to text us in later when I give you the code, uh, Hope for a Helpless Planet.
1: And it goes back to what we talked about in one of our previous episodes where we were talking about the existence of God and what difference does that make. Mm. Um, it really answers the four core questions that human beings ask, which were, which ask, which is, where did I come from? Who, you know, essentially, who am I? Why am that, I
0: here? Yeah,
1: why am I here? <laughs> and
0: where are we, how we going? How do I,
1: how should I live and where are we going? Yeah. Well, those four questions, uh, God answers in abundance. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome.
0: Okay, well, um, now we're talking about the, uh, the Bible and internal consistency. Mm. And do you want to keep
1: uh, talking a little bit sure. more about that? Yeah, so um, we, we, who do you trust is the title of our program. And um, I'm advocating that we can trust God and we can trust that which he has revealed, which is in his word. Now, how do we know we can trust the Bible? We've talked about internal consistency. We could talk about historical evidence. So, for instance, there are other ancient writings outside of the Bible that corroborate details that you find in the Bible. So, for instance, um, Josephus he was a Jewish Roman historian and he wrote about things that are also corroborated in the scripture. Um, Tacitus was another Roman historian who wrote things that corroborate the, you know, the events um, around, around in the New Testament that we read about, um, Jesus and so forth. And, uh, even, uh, we have references to Jesus being worshipped as a God in early external writing, writings. Um, and so, um, historical evidence is also a, a part of the evidence that, that tells us that we can trust the Bible. Then I want to look at archaeological evidence, which is mm. another kind of pet topic of well, pet hobby, I suppose, of, of mine.
0: Yeah, and of course we've got Gary Webster who yeah. uh, who's spent many years studying archaeology, and uh, his program on Tuesday morning. So if you're interested yeah. in the archaeological evidence, and particularly he, he's he's uh, covered in some of our past episodes some of this information about um the accuracy of the old scrolls that they have found yes. and the writing so yeah yeah
1: i i mean 2 years ago 2019 uh, Gary and i we worked together on an archaeological dig mm. in israel in uh, marashah so uh that was a very enjoyable time together but um i do love archaeology i love the discoveries that it makes and archaeological evidence has helped us to establish uh, many of the things in the bible uh, i think there are more than uh, 53 Uh, characters of the Old Testament who have been brought to light in archaeology? So sometimes we'll find their seals. So the seal of uh, Hezekiah, for instance, has been discovered, mm. um, and many other things like that, where you have actual names in inscriptions in archaeology that you find in the Bible and, and characters and events there. Um, one of the things that was significant in this is is back in 1799 there was a stone called the Rosetta Stone. It's a large black piece of basalt that is currently in the British Museum, and it had a script on it in three different languages. Uh, ancient Greek, a cursive form of Egyptian and then there was the hieroglyphics and they, because n- back in those days they couldn't read the hieroglyphics so mm. and that, that language had been lost and these temples and buildings of ancient Egypt are covered in hieroglyphs but nobody could read them and uh, they were able to decipher this, a uh, fantastic French um, scholar Jean-Francois Champollion managed to decipher the hieroglyphs and and they found various things there. Now, one of the things that uh, people in the you know early uh, 19th century uh, were beginning to cast doubt on the Bible as an authoritative source. And they, there were a lot of higher criticism in regards to the Bible. And uh, just at that time, the science of archaeology was born. And um, in these hieroglyphs, they found stories about the Egyptians doing battle with the Hittites. Mm. And prior to that, the Hittites were believed to be this fictitious people. Fictitious people. people, Didn't really exist. They're only mentioned in the Bible. We don't find them anywhere else, obviously just made up for the stories, Mm. right? But they mentioned many times in the Bible, and uh, they found the story of the, the Hittites and many others they've found since about these battles that the Egyptians would do. In the Bible, they're even mentioned before the Egyptians in one passage, indicating they were a greater people at that time. And uh, again, a couple of years ago, um, I, I was on a, a tour of, of the Middle East and we went to Hattusa, which is the Hittite capital in Turkey, some of the ruins there. And that's currently a, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So it's gone from the Hittites didn't exist. Didn't exist to, to mean, being a yeah. World Heritage Site today. And it's,
0: it's now, um, you know, world recognized as, sure. you know, a, a civilization that did exist. And, yeah. yeah.
1: There, there are other things, you know, in, for instance, um, Ur of the Chaldees. So that's a place in modern day Iraq. Yes, um, and it's a place, of course, where the Bible says Abraham came, came from. from. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was uh, um, put aside in the 19th century as well. That's probably just you know myth and legend, and it's just a made-up character. We've never even heard of Ur of the Chaldees. Can't be real. Mm. And then, of course, ex- um, an archaeologist went, Sir Leonard Woolley. He did excavations in Ur of the Chaldees, and we found a whole society and civilization there. And they said, oh, well, maybe Abraham really did exist after all. And there have been many of these kind of things. A more recent one um, in 1993, there was a slab of stone uh, found in uh, Dan, Tel Dan, in the north of, of Israel. I've visited that place as well. And they found this slab of stone that contains the phrase, the house of David. And what was interesting about that, there was a sceptic of of the Bible, an archaeological sceptic, who said just one year earlier that that we found no evidence that David even existed as a person. Mm. And a year later, they find this slab of stone. And uh, there are now other evidences, they believe, that they have David's name there in
0: archaeology. So it's becoming a bit harder to dismiss the Bible as just simply a, a set of stories and myth, you know. Mythology, um, legend, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, so, because so this we're, we're now getting actual evidence, evidence set in
1: stone, historical it evidence, exactly. written
0: on tablets and correct. stone, and yeah.
1: correct. So, so you've got, um, you know, we've talked about internal consistency, historical evidence, archaeological evidence, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about um, manuscript evidence.
0: Manuscript evidence, okay. Um, we, we're talking about the Bible as uh, you know. The, the, the scriptures that uh, have been trust. around for many many years and this song is actually talking about those words of the Bible it's a version of uh, this, the uh, it's a modern hymn I'd call it Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith let's have a listen it's a beautiful hymn As the music finishes, Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith, I'm going to uh, just uh, tell you that a little bit later in the program uh, we're going to be talking about the power of these words to actually change lives. Mm, so, yeah, for sure. Um, if, if this book is something special, then it should change lives. Sure. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, before we do, I promised uh, we'd give you this code for today's book. And remember, today's book is titled Hope for a Helpless Planet. So here it is. The code for today is search2, and that's the number 2. Search2. Two. No spaces, just search2. And you can text that into 488 8-9-1. So text that in, 488 880 the word search to, and we will get you this book, Hope for a Helpless Planet, out to you. So, uh, Peter, back to you. And we've got a lot of things to talk about and not a lot of time, but let's get on to it so that we don't waste any more time.
1: Yeah, okay. So we've been talking about various evidences uh, for Being able to trust the scripture, and we've talked about internal consistency, historical evidence. We've talked about archaeological evidence. Many people say, well, can we really trust the Bible from a manuscript perspective? You know, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. Yes, we have it in our hands today. uh, But, you know, has it been changed in the last 2,000 years? How do we know that 3,500 years ago when Moses was writing down... How do we know that we have what he has? Because we don't have the original sheets of paper mm. upon it, which he wrote. Um, and that's, you know, because they would write on scrolls and, and paper um, deteriorates over time, especially if you use it a lot. And so you're going to make an, another copy.
0: Now, historians have some sort of way of, of working out whether something is reliable or not, don't they, in terms of the, the, the writings, the manuscripts?
1: For sure. Um, well, yes. So l- let me take it back a minute. A okay. minute. So first of all, uh, up until the mid-20th century, the oldest copies that we have of the Old Testament were dated to about 900 AD. Mm-hmm. That is to say that the Old Testament was completed about 400 BC. So you have a, a third. 1300-year gap yeah. between when the Old Testament was completed and the actual pieces of paper that we have, all right? That's a large gap, and people would say, well, how do we know? And this is, again, where, you know, some of the higher criticism would come in. How can we be sure that mm-hmm. what they wrote is what we have? Um, and then in 1947, a young uh, goat herder, Muhammad El Dahib, was... Uh, walking his goats through a place called Qumran on the, um, western shore of the Dead Sea. And, uh, one of his goats, I think, must have ran into a cave and he was throwing stones into the cave to try and chase out his goat. He heard the sound of shattering pottery. He went to explore. He thought maybe I found treasure. <laughs> And he really had, but it wasn't the treasure he was looking for. He didn't uh,
0: realise how valuable it no, was. No, <laughs> he was hoping
1: for gold or gems or precious yeah. stones, but he found scrolls. Mm. And uh, he really didn't think that they were too valuable. And, uh, you know, he uh, took some down to the village and so forth. But eventually their value was discovered mm. uh, and they were collected and preserved. And what they found there were um, 2,000-year-old copies of Old Testament books. So there were basically three kinds of things that they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. All of the Old Testament books were found in uh, in full or in part, except the book of Esther. Um, there were biblical commentaries on Old Testament books, psalms and hymns, and there were also sectarian material belonging to the Qumran community itself. And what is believed to have happened is uh, when the Romans came through uh, that land and they destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70, uh, they were concerned that they would lose their precious scrolls. So they so stored them in a cave, mm. expecting to come back later to get them, and obviously they never, never returned. Yeah. And so we have discovered them. And so those Dead Sea Scrolls have been examined, and they're compared with what we have in terms of the text that we use for the Scriptures. And uh, it's been remarkable to see how accurate the Dead Sea Scrolls are compared to the manuscripts that we have for our Bible, because they would have certain rules. They would wash before that they would write out the scriptures, and they would count to the middle word and the middle letter of a page and check it with the previous page to make it was correct. And if they made a mistake, they destroy it, take another bath, and start again. Mm-hmm. Because this is, they, th- this is not just a novel they're writing. It's not the shopping list they are writing what they believe to be the word of God. And so they took meticulous um, effort mm. to to preserve those words. And then, you know...
0: Um, and Gary was actually saying too that if they made a mistake, the whole thing was destroyed and they'd correct. have to be, start at the beginning again. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> absolutely. And if you think about the uh, ancient manuscripts of the New Testament, for instance, we really have a... Um, Embarrassment of riches, in the sense that if you look at some of the uh, other ancient documents that we have record of, uh, like the the Wars of Caesar, uh, we have ten manuscripts uh, of that, and the time span between when they were written and when and what we have, uh, you know, there's there's a thousand year gap uh, mm-hmm. again, um, and you have this but, for but the writing. People,
0: people in uh, historians still trust that.
1: Yeah, of course, well, as, as, A- exactly. You know, as, well, they still believe it's the writings yeah,
0: uh, of Caesar, right. and the, yeah.
1: and Plato, for instance. Um we, you know, the writings of Plato, but there are only seven ancient manuscripts upon which those are based. Mm. Uh, Tacitus, we've mentioned before, a Roman historian, eight manuscripts upon which that is based. Homer's Iliad is quite interesting. Um, we have 643 ancient manuscripts for that document, and that sounds like a lot compared to the rest. But when we come to the New Testament, there are over 24,000 ancient manuscripts that we have, indicating that now you think about that from the perspective of they're all handwritten. Mm. No printing presses, no photocopiers. Um, this is the uh passion that the people had for writing out the scriptures and, and distributing, and distributing it, making, making it available for mm. people because they believed it to be the word of God. One of the other um um one of the other evidences that uh, we could talk about is evidence from prophecy. And we're going to talk in this series, Searching for Certainty, about certain Bible prophecies. Mm. It's estimated that about 30% of the Bible is pros- prophecy. Mm. And uh, of that, uh, more than 90% of those prophecies have been fulfilled already. So we can actually go back and test them. Mm. You know, when you think about uh, other writings, other ancient writings, other ancient religious writings, Confucius, no predictive prophecy. Um, India, the Indian uh, holy writings, no predictive prophecy. The Quran, no predictive prophecy. The Bible, 30% predictive prophecy. And I believe that in part that is because you can only predict the future if you actually know what the future is going to be. Mm. And God claims to know that in advance. So we're going to look at some of those prophecies in a later part of this series. But probably the the sixth evidence that we're going to look at, um, personal testimony, that is the evidence of millions of people's lives who they claim those that their life has been changed by the message of the Bible. Mm. And that's remarkable for a book, as we say, that's so old. Uh, and yet has been applicable to people's lives throughout the centuries. And I am one of those lives. My life has been changed immeasurably by the teaching of the Bible. I had no idea what was in the Bible. Um, the 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 idea that there is a all-powerful, all-loving creator God, a God that created the universe. When you think about the billions of stars in our galaxy, the billions of galaxies in the universe... And yet God, the Bible says, created the heavens and the earth. This this, unimaginably powerful God. And yet that same God, the Bible reveals, wants to have a personal relationship with me. That's phenomenal. That's incredible. Why, you know, sometimes we like to name drop about powerful people that we know or influential people. I've met this sports star. I've met this movie star. I met the prime minister. I met the queen. You know, recently uh, Prince Philip passed away, and there was all these stories. Oh, the day I met Prince Philip. Hmm. This is the God of the universe. Hmm. This is the God who made everything according to the Bible, and it says he wants a personal relationship with us. And to demonstrate that, the story of the Bible is that God himself came down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, in order to live with us, to move around with us, to show us, to reveal to us what God would be like. Sometimes, you know, we might think, you know, I wonder what God would be like if God was a person, if God was a human being, what would he be like? We don't have to guess. God did that 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus. And uh, it's those those lives that are changed that is one of the more powerful evidences for the authority of Scripture, the, the, the book that you can trust. Um, I think you know. I've got a friend who was a punk rocker who is now spends his uh, life his full time ministry in sharing the Word of God with people. There's another um, man uh, that I, I, another colleague that I know who um, he he was living in a cave and he found a Bible in the cave. He read the Bible. It changed his life. He's now a minister. Uh, of the gospel Um, a teenage junkie a young girl who was on the streets for 10 years a teenage junkie she's now a powerful advocate for the bible these these are people real people who have discovered the message of the bible and it has changed their lives for the better and i'm also one of those
0: Mm. so obviously there's something in there that um, has power that has power to really change people's lives and I guess that's uh, that's what we've been talking about today. Why does it matter? who do we trust what you know what do we trust and of course um, one of the reasons why we can trust the Bible is because it has changed many people's lives and it you know if you if you're questioning at the moment I guess it can it can change your life too. so we'd encourage you to uh, keep listening to our programs we've got uh, more in the coming weeks. Um, Peter, what we're uh, we going to go on with next week?
1: Okay, so um, many people might say, well, okay, uh, you're saying the Bible is trustworthy, but what about the first chapter? It says the world was created in six days. Yeah. Uh, doesn't everybody know that we got, got here by evolution? So we're going to talk about uh, evolution creation. We're going to talk about the question, did we really evolve?
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'll I'll look forward to that because it's a, it's a fascinating topic. And, um, there's a lot of controversy, uh, between evolution or creation or intelligent design. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that one and we'll start that discussion next week. Will it go for more than one week or just one week?
1: Well, let's find out.
0: Okay. Let's find (laughs) out. Let's not preempt it. Okay. And remember our code for today, search two, zero, four, double eight, double eight, zero, eight, nine, one, the word search and the number two on the end. Um, yeah, and tomorrow we've got David Maxwell. He's uh, been studying the book of the Bible, or the chapter of the Bible, Psalm 23, and his topic tomorrow is He Restores Me. So I'm looking forward to spending some time with David Maxwell tomorrow morning. Peter, thanks for joining us this morning. It's been and a pleasure. I uh, look forward to our discussion next week. Thank you.